the podcast where two friends dive into the world of romance literature in order to find each other's and your next great lay I mean read <laughs> we'll explore it all classic bodice ripping historical romance provocative political thrillers sexy sci-fi and everything in between every week we'll each cover one story no spoilers we'll share our favorite moments which of your favorite tropes to expect and rate its readability how hot it is and how romantic it is We'll let you know if a book passes the vibe check, share any content warnings to watch out for, and most importantly, is it even good? I'm Lauren. And I'm Kendra. Now let the erotic nonsense begin. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? Um, I, I'm good. I'm good. good. Um, we're settling into like Brian's... I don't want to say unemployment because it's not like he's looking for employment. <laughs> so Brian's um, stay-at-home dad slash house, house husband. husbanding. Um, <laughs> and that's nice. So I haven't had to pick up or deliver a child to or from school in the last two weeks. Oh, my God. Really nice. <laughs> I can't yeah. even fathom. Yeah, it feels good. Um, after having been like runner number one for the right. last however many years, seven, eight, nine years. Is it um, like annoying that he's here all the time no <laughs> I put you on the spot no that's Tell a great everyone. great question it would be if he were like inside and I mm. was inside but he's been like working on our deck project oh my project. god I forgot to ask to look at your hot tub when I got here oh my god yeah it's amazing I we've had it running for when? seven days and I've been in it like 10 times <laughs> <laughs> when are we recording an episode from the hot tub wow um poor I, acoustics but excellent um host <laughs> happiness levels yes we should probably hot tub for 10 minutes before all of our episodes now um yeah i definitely just really like, loosen up just get the larynx <laughs> lubricated yeah, i just don't want to like uh worry about being electrocuted while we're in there <laughs> so, oh but, yeah. yeah that hole <laughs> Yeah. Just have someone like hold the microphone. There you close. go. Yeah. We just need some like uh, helpers to anyway. But no, it's been amazing. Um, and actually, well, I'll save that for a private conversation. So oh. I don't get in trouble with the city. Um, but no, it's been great. And I have been going to the office more to work to like. Well, because you also, don't have to drop kids off. You have that yes. flexibility now. And I don't so. want to like hover over him and yeah. be like what are you doing? Why are you looking at your phone? Aren't you supposed to be blah, blah, blah. So anyway, um, or he'll quit this job too. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's been good. good. How are you? Um, just getting over more sicknesses. Yeah. Kid in daycare. I, I feel like I talked about this on the last episode, but well, then it happened again. Again. <laughs> yeah. Maggie had a, some kind of stomach bug. She actually like, I took her into the doctor this time cause she had like a rash. And all the doctor was like, yeah, it's some kind of viral bug. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, like, gross. This, this, <laughs> this just happened. And then, yeah. And then she sneezes directly into my mouth and or eyeballs. So inevitably <laughs> I get sick every oh time. Too. Yeah. I possibly made that exact joke last time, too. I don't remember. Yeah. But yeah. So I'm I'm now not sick again, um, but still I've got my. My husky, uh, deep voice happening. At least. Phoebe singing Smelly yeah. Cat voice. <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah, friend for sure. does not hold up. But no. anyway, um, <laughs> well, I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah, I'm happy to be recording tonight. I yeah. am really excited about the book I read. So. so did you get like lots of reading done while you were like cloistered no, in your sickbed? No, because I was like the wrong kind of sick. Like no. I like this like virus. It was like a stomach bug type virus. So I just felt gross like I did a lot of like sleeping and just like lying in bed watching 30 rock and um yeah um and then like half of it was so like Maggie got sick first so she couldn't go to daycare 
yeah. which I love because I pay for it whether she goes or not. <laughs> right. And then I can't work. And yep. then so feels great. Yeah. So there was not a lot of reading happening while she was sick either. So yeah. No, but I did finish my book and it was so good. And nice. I'm so excited to talk about it. Yay. Um, I have like barely been reading and actually it's because so I read my book like several weeks ago and then I read um Circe by Madeline Miller because I was definitely like so you know in our last episode I did um Neon Gods which Mm -hmm. was the like Persephone and Hades Mm -hmm. story and then I was like my love of Greek literature like fucking ancient Greek literature was like revived and I was like oh I want more and I was like there's like a newer, newer translation of the Odyssey. I can't even believe I'm saying this. Like, I don't know who I think I am, but I'm like, there's a newer translation that's by a woman. Okay. And I'm like, oh, I want to read the, the Odyssey, you know, as translated like, by a woman. Oh, um, okay. I was super into that idea. And I like went to Annie Bloom's and I was like, I'm going to buy it. They have it on the shelf. And I was like holding it in my hands. And I'm like, I'm not going to read the Odyssey <laughs> again. Like, well, just, Okay, so it's just translated by a woman it's not right. like reimagined or no 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 so it, it's a it's, translation of homer's odyssey so okay but it's they do vary sure you know and like anyway but no that's it's that was, definitely would have been a worthwhile venture but i'm like i'm I so don't glad know. you know yourself well enough. i was so <laughs> up my own butt there you for know what minutes. i just had like a recovered memory of reading the odyssey yeah. in high school and i'm i think we were in the same english class because that i fully yes yeah <laughs> Oh my god! Okay, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I mean, like, I love it, and I read it again in college, and okay. I think, like, I own a copy of it. Like, um, yeah. you know, I'm pretentious. <laughs> You're an English nerd, <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, so instead, I picked up Circe by Madeline Miller, which I already owned. Was like waiting for me to read it, okay. and I read Song of Achilles like the last. This spring. Oh, that's been on my list forever. You definitely should read it. It's amazing. Uh, Cersei, for me, I enjoyed it more. And I think that's just Ooh, because, like, okay. I'm in a point in my life where, like, I mostly would like to read books from a women's point of view. But, like, oh, yeah. I just really... It gave me the most devastating book hangover that I have oh, had, like yeah. since reading like the A Court of Thorns and Roses trilogy, I which hate definitely that feeling. I know. And it's just like I've tried to pick up like four or five different books, and mm. I'm like, it just isn't what I, you know, like yeah, all I can think not about is Cersei. Yeah, um, which it was so good, and I highly, 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 highly recommend that people read it if they're into that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, yeah, it like. It's so beautiful, and it wrecked me, and anyway. Um, so, yeah, I've been on a huge book hangover. Um, so, like, I haven't read a book since reading that and the book for today. Oh, um, okay. And I am, like, listening to a book, though. Mm. Um, called that can help. Like, it does. Yeah, it definitely the... does. Um, but it's nonfiction, oh. which feels, like, totally separate to me. It, like, gets grouped in my brain same. with podcasts. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That book is called 90s Bitch. It's oh. by Allison Yarrow or Yarrow. Um, definitely only listen to that if you're ready to be like fully enraged. But it's about like the regression of feminism that happened in the 90s. Oh, and yeah. The, like like quote, our unquote, childhood. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the like bitchification of oh, women God. in the 90s. Anyway. Um, oh, that actually, that probably would be like beneficial for me to read like yeah. therapeutic in some it, way. It yeah. definitely is, but it, it will leave you feeling like pissed uh, off. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you want to yeah. burn it all down. Realize um, your internalized misogyny. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah, especially from my childhood. Um, I wrote down this article that I read um, to talk about in this opening chat. <laughs> uh, it was a Jezebel article. Oh my God, Jezebel's like still around. <laughs> it totally is. Um, and I, it's so like just consumable and like quick and oh, funny. Totally. And this uh, article really tickled me. Um, and I actually, I thought you would think it was funny. So the title of the article is There Are Only Six Books Written by Men. <laughs> um, so it's by Emily Alford. Um, and so like kind of the like, prompt for this article was um, a study written up in The Guardian um, and that said, quote, for the top 10 best-selling female authors who include Jane Austen and Margaret Atwood, as well as Danielle Steele and Jojo Moyes, nice. only 19% of their readers are men and 81% women. 
But for the top 10 best-selling male authors, who include Charles Dickens and J.R.R. Tolkien, as well as Lee Child and Stephen King, the split is much more even, 55% men and 45% women. Mm-hmm. So the article basically goes on to say that... Um, Fine. Like, women should just stop reading books written by men. <laughs> and she's like, there are basically only six types of book books written by men anyway. And so she, like, lists them. One, my beautiful wife is mentally fragile and I drink too much by men. <laughs> Two, that war certainly contained elements of the grimly absurd by men. <laughs> Three, it was hot in that uncivilized place and the weather is a metaphor <laughs> by men. Four, that war certainly taught us some absolutely universal for everyone things that are heartbreaking oh by men. God. That's so good. Five, this class system, system is oppressive specifically and only to me, and I drink too much. <laughs> by men. Okay, last one. I would very much like to have sex with someone who does not want to have sex with me, causing me, a character who is a middle-aged writer, to think about other reasons I am unhappy. <laughs> by men. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So hard. I, I just like, relate to that so fucking hard. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my god, my college education just flashed before my eyes. <laughs> right. Um, that's hilarious. But yeah, I but I mean, that. the fact that, yeah, women read books written by men, but men oh, do not course. really read books written by women. I mean, definitely what I took from that statistic yeah. is like, women read more books. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, um, and when men read books, they want books written by men. Oh, which I see all the time in my own mm-hmm. like heteronormative relationship. Like, and it's the same thing goes for like what movies we watch mm-hmm. and stuff. It's um, all except I will. I I'm not giving Brian enough credit. Actually, his favorite show is Downton Abbey, and he watches it constantly. Like, at least. <laughs> five episodes a week it's like his comfort show <laughs> um but yeah no I mean it's it's definitely a thing like how yeah. we choose all media um is yeah. that like things written by men are for everyone things written by women or non-men are niche yeah 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 oh, but yeah I I think enough like I can't remember if I said this but like her point at the end of this article was like women should just stop reading books written by men <laughs> like like they're boring they're all the same. Yeah. Just stop. Yeah. I'm, I'm all about so, it. I, um, I definitely am like in a phase in my life where I like, I can't listen to men's voices. So mm. like I can't listen to podcasts hosted by men with one exception being Case File because that guy oh. sounds like a robot. So it's fine. Well, that's right. You And you don't like, or you haven't really listened to um, my favorite, um, what is it? Jensen and Holes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've listened to a couple of them, but yeah, they're not my favorite. They seem like great dudes, though. It's just like so soothing to my soul. And their producer is a woman, so I feel like I get a pass. Yeah. And she's like talks in the episodes. Uh, Not a lot. I mean, occasionally. Like as much as like. Yeah, you know. but it's produced by a woman. It's on a woman-owned yeah, network. Like, exactly. There definitely is, like, not a male gazy podcast. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but, yeah, I just am, like... I No, I, yeah. I, yeah, I totally feel that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, well, that's that was hilarious. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I'm just, like, still on a quest to find some book that is, like, going to break me out of my... Well, you're going to have to because we're recording over. next week. So. I know. <laughs> get <laughs> on it. Get on it. <laughs> um, cool. Well, maybe we'll take a quick break sure. and then we'll get started on this week. All right. Sounds good. Sweet. Okay. So this week I am doing The X-Hex by Aaron Sterling. Um, and I did read this before Halloween, but it will come out after Halloween. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm the one who goes first this week, which means that I'm picking the drink. So tonight we are drinking Smells Like Vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's just, uh, I mean, we're just going to see like how many variations on the old fashioned can we get into this podcast? <laughs> Every but week. I know. Um <laughs> So it is two and a half ounces of rye whiskey, half an ounce of vanilla cinnamon syrup. So I mm, made that, that made homemade, <laughs> <laughs> homemade vanilla cinnamon syrup. And I'll put the recipe for that on our Instagram post. Um, and then six dashes of orange bitters, 
a twist of orange peel, and then a burnt marshmallow garnish. So you got to put a little little mini marshmallow on there and light it on fire. Um, And it's quite tasty. It's so good. Very refreshing. Yes. Um, Okay. So this week, The X-Hex by Aaron Sterling. Um, So I'll start us off with the back of book. Never mix vodka and witchcraft. Nine years ago, Vivian Jones nursed her broken heart like any young witch would. Vodka, weepy music, bubble baths, and a course on the hor- a curse on the horrible boyfriend. Sure, <laughs> Vivi knows she shouldn't use her magic this way, but with only an orchard hayride scented candle on hand, she isn't worried it will cause him anything more than a bad hair day or two. That is until Reese Penhallow, descendant of the town's ancestors, breaker of hearts, and annoyingly just as gorgeous as he always was, returns to Graves Glen, Georgia. What should be a quick trip to recharge the town's ley lines and make an appearance at the annual fall fair turns disastrously wrong. With one calamity after another striking Reese, Vivi realizes her silly little ex-hex may not have been so harmless after all. Suddenly, Graves Glen is under attack from murderous wind-up toys, a pissed-off ghost, and a talking cat with some interesting things to say. Vivi and Reese have to ignore their off-the-charts chemistry to work together to save the town and find a way to break the breakup curse before it's too late. Ooh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, super fun. Um, <laughs> the author described it. So, I have this book on my, like, TBR from when it was announced back in, like, May. Oh, nice. And uh, the author, de- author described it as hocus pocus, but they fuck. <laughs> and I was like, that's that's exactly what I want. Brilliant. Um, and it was perfect. Um, okay, so for my cast, um, I have as Reese, the he's like um, so this takes place in a small town in Georgia, okay. but uh Reese, the male love interest, is uh Welsh. Um, and he's visiting from Wales. Mm. <clears throat> Dark hair, tall, like devastatingly handsome in that annoying kind of douchebaggy way. Uh-huh. So I have Robert Pattinson. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then for um, for Vivian, for Vivi, she is like, I'll get into why I like her more in a minute. But um, so I have her as a young Meg Ryan. So oh. I'm thinking like, we're talking when Harry met Sally. Okay. So this is a gal who is like, She's like a little on the sloppy side. She's like, just wants to chill. She's not. Sure. Well, that's not exactly the like Meg Ryan's character from When Harry Met Sally. But like, she's kind of a little bit all over the place. Yeah. Right. And she's very sweet and charming and blonde and bubbly. So that's who I have for our cast. That's, um, I OK. I love that you did that. Like young Meg Ryan. I yeah. always struggle with like, I need to find a 20 something actor. <laughs> so like that's, I'm going to use that from now on. Yeah, like, no, so much you could totally reach back into the vault. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So anyway, and then main tropes are like second chance relationship, right? Because they've like mm-hmm. broken up before. Um, Chemistry is still off the charts. And then a little bit of force, forced proximity because they're like forced together to fix. Sure. This okay. Thing, right. OK. Overall thoughts. Um it's just really fun. Like, it's a fun seasonal romp. Nothing at all is serious about it. Um, you know, they're they're just kind of, like, having a good time. The plot is on the light side, um, which, you know, I have feelings about. Like, I do like things to be a little bit, uh, I mean, something should happen. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was just, just a good time. Hocus pocus, but they fuck. Um, and... So anyway, the male love interest, this is like, I liked both the characters a lot, um, but the male love interest kept reminding me, my brain is just like on Downton Abbey right now, (laughs) um, of like the male version of Lady Mary from Downton Abbey. He's like totally fucking gorgeous, super smart, um, and like pretty in that like waspy untouchable rich mm. kind of way you know okay and yeah, that, like no, totally he just moves through the world with that like rich beautiful Privilege. confidence yes exactly <laughs> yeah um and also kind of mean 
Yeah. <laughs> and like selfish. But like no um, one seems to care. Yeah. Because they're just like really charming when they want to yeah. be, right? And you're like, ooh, are they paying me attention? Yeah. yeah. Ooh, ooh. Um, so that's like the vibe I was getting this whole time. Um, and then Vivi, the female lead, I really loved her. So I, she's actually not my normal, like favorite type of female heroine. Cause I love like a, like a bad bitch, you know, who sure. like knows what she wants. And, um, you know, I definitely am not normally into the like female lead, like denying their powers or like giving up powers that they might yeah. have for like a male love interest. Um, she doesn't give up her power for the lead, for her love interest, but she is like not into being a witch. She is a witch, but she's like, I don't really want that. I just mm. want to like teach my college courses about history and like hang out in my cute house and like have good sex and like kind of be a hobbit. And I'm super into that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I liked, you know, kind of how chill she was, even though my normal mm-hmm. favorite heroine is one who like this, where the story could like, totally be their villain origin story also (laughs) but anyway so Vivi was great I I enjoyed it she's like bubbly and fun and um doesn't take herself too seriously um and then like the town and the overall like fall vibes were definitely like the third leading character in this book okay (laughs) like like the hocus pocus town exactly yes except for okay but hocus pocus is like in a new england town so this is is georgia georgia but it totally didn't feel like there was nothing to indicate that it was georgia there are overlaps i can see it totally it was definitely just like small town vibes Mm -hmm. um and you know it's like those small town like halloween movie vibes it's like Mm. you can like hear the leaves crunching gotcha um and it just it felt great like i wanted to go there it was like cute little college arts college that has like a secret witches college and Mm. like super haunted as fuck house in the woods where like teenagers go to make out and scare the shit out of themselves um it just it felt great i loved the whole it was very nostalgic for me Mm. um and i would like totally go back to that world for another book so like yeah if Aaron Sterling decides to go that way. Um, Vivi has like a cousin who's her best friend and then her cousin's mom. And I was like, I would be super into a love story that's this like 60 year old kind of badass witch who like runs a magic shop. Like I'd be super into that. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm hoping that's where we get. Um, Yeah. So, you know, the plot and the magic system are definitely like kind of gimmicky and Mm -hmm. underdeveloped. Um, as always, I would have loved to see some more developed plot. I think, um, I was thinking about this actually, and I wonder if it has something to do with like growing up on Harry Potter, that it's like, um, I sort of read books like they're a puzzle and Mm -hmm. I'm looking for like foreshadowing and clues and red herrings and I'm trying to like put together what's going to happen. And then when things don't end up being anything, I get really disappointed. (laughs) I mean, that's like kind of like my book last week. Yes. Like you kept hoping it was going to go a place that it didn't go. Okay. Question. Did you mention ley lines in the back of the book? Okay. Is that like a known? Because I feel like, I mean, I don't feel like I know there were ley lines in my book. Is that like a known witches thing? Oh, well, um, (laughs) I don't know what the context was in your book, but I think ley lines are like actual like magnetic, like based on like the earth's core, like they exist in real life. I might be making this (laughs) shit up now. I'm going to look super ah, stupid I'm anyway, sorry to put you on the no, spot how dare you um, in the book they're definitely like magical protection lines and it's like okay here's like a thing that didn't go anywhere like they go so he's there to um, like you know re-up the ley lines that like control magic and keep the town safe or what I don't know it's not even really explained it's not this explained okay no no I, that's, yeah, yeah. Um, but they he's supposed to go alone but he takes Vivi with him anyway Okay. I honestly don't remember why. I think just because she's interested in it. Uh-huh. And it's like in a, ta- a cave, like way above town. And they go there together at romance night. novel. Uh-huh. <laughs> Gotta have that privacy and forced proximity. There was not only one bed in the cave, but... <laughs> um, but it was like... <laughs> it was like... So we were... It's a dual point of view book, which I love. Okay. And w- like as they go into the cave, we're getting Reese's point of view. 
Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how there's like different kind of magic, kinds of magic, and different kinds can make you feel different things. They like can make you feel sad or angry or horny or horny <laughs> and it's like a fucking magic Couldn't sex see that game. coming yeah right but they don't even do it and ah. it never goes anywhere and i'm like that was ah. like a big and like there was never any like this magic makes you feel things and that's why this is important and this plot happened you know like uh, it's just it's like a random drop need more um yeah yeah the, okay so. the ley lines in my book last week were like transportation devices like you could like fascinating travel on one to like such and such but they were like dangerous and you had to like know what you were doing i don't know okay so i think this is like some there's some idea of something that exists in real life that gets co-opted for like sci-fi yeah 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 and it must be some kind of like yeah known trope type yeah whatever okay yeah anyway um sorry to interrupt to go on that tangent totally how (laughs) dare you ask me something i didn't know the answer to i'm supposed to look like i know everything at all times (laughs) uh yeah um (laughs) anyway so yeah it's just i think that i part of this is a me problem and that like i'm asking too much of romance novels <laughs> no this is what we're here for yeah. we're looking for the best of the best it's true like I do just love plot I can't what can I say I just yeah. like I love soap operas I love fucking like surprise mm-hmm. shit coming out of nowhere and like twisty turny stuff it's and like well-founded fantasy stories also true I with clear rules and boundaries that yes. are followed good world building no is... plot holes yes Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I don't like mushy world building. But um, anyway, it's overall, the tension between the two leads is great. Mm-hmm. Um, the sex scenes, there's not like tons of them. I mean, granted, I read Neon Gods last time, which is like just long form erotica. Yeah. Um, but they're really good. What's mm-hmm. there? Um, their chemistry is great. Um, and they're both like horny and sex positive and into the whole vibe, which is great. Um, and they definitely like grew up a little bit and like learned how mm. to communicate and there was no like bullshit misunderstanding trope, which is my least favorite thing. Yes. So mm-hmm. that was like, nice to not have to deal with that. But yeah. So overall, I, I mean, I really liked it. So my ratings are readability 4.5. It was well written, like, you know, same kind of mushy world building problems, but super fun. I read it in probably like four or five hours. Um, heat level, hotness level, 3.5. Okay. Seeds were good. Mm-hmm. I would have been okay with a few more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, romance, I gave it a three. It was, it was good. Mm-hmm. The, you know, their chemistry was good, but it wasn't like, you know, the love story of the century or anything. Right. Um, overall, I give it a four. Yeah. Right. It's really solid. Super fun fall read. Even if you haven't like tackled it pre-Halloween, you will still yeah. love it. Yeah, it's very Or any like, time of the year if you want to be in a little fall mood. Totally. Harvest Fest vibes. <laughs> um, oh, and then content warnings. There aren't any. It's a very, like, well, okay. nice, nice, you know, there's yeah. no, like, um, creepy, bad behavior kind of shit, which is nice. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. So, my deep dive. Oh, boy. So, this is adjacent. Um, there are no love potions in this book. But I thought it would be fun to do love potions throughout history. Wow. <laughs> That's big. I mean, it's like, it could have been so much bigger. And also, the sources on this shit are not good. So there's well, like not, there's a lot of like made up shit out there that I'm like, who There's no peer reviewed studies yeah, on no. love potions. <laughs> Surprisingly, <laughs> no one wants to make an investment in that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I have a few sources though. Wikipedia, obviously, um, an article called Mandrake and Menstrual Blood, <laughs> 10 oh. Medieval Love Potion Recipes, yes. um, on historyanswers.co.uk, uh, a University of Washington website that was their like horticultural, um, whatever website um an article called nine medieval love potions people actually used and you may be disgusted on the website medievalarchives.com um okay so obviously love potions and they're like adjacent things go way back Mm -hmm. um so as far back as i went today was ancient greece so we'll start there oh i'm sure there's probably like shit in the pyramids that's (laughs) like you know people have been yeah trying to bang people who didn't want to bang them for a long time (laughs) (laughs) um okay so we'll start with ancient greece so um 
<laughs> a kind of soft one that I thought was hilarious uh, is like Greeks were super into orchids um, for many uses, uh, including as aphrodisiacs and love potions. Um, but they also thought you could use the orchid plant to control the gender of your child, which is fascinating based mm. on like which part of it you ate. Um, and like to get like a male child, you were supposed to have the father eat like the chunky roots. And I'm like, is this after the woman is pregnant that like the oh, man's well, at eating least they're something involving the man? Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, at least he has a job. Considering yeah. the, the male, the sperm is where the Y chromosome actually comes from. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, so actually the word orchid comes from, oh shoot, I forgot to write it down. I think the word orchid, the Greek word orchis, which means testicles, which is kind of hilarious. Um, I was thinking it was like kind of female genitalia looking I mean, that's definitely in my what brain. the plant yeah. looks like, right? So anyway, men get everything. Um, <laughs> In, so in classical mythology, Orcus, the son of a satyr and a nymph, um, which is like the two mm. most sex crazed things in Greek mm-hmm. mythology, <laughs> except for like Zeus himself, <laughs> um, uh, turned into a flower after his death and it was the orchid. So in his Materia Medica, the first century AD Greek physician, Dioscorides, hypothesized that or- orchids influenced sexuality ever since people have associated the plant with virility, fertility, sex determination, and other aspects of reproduction. Um, inspired perhaps by the erotic appearance, fragrance, and frankly erotic aspect of its flowers' sexual parts. Um, so they were thought to be like the food of satyrs and just to be powerful aphrodisiacs. Um, the English Victorian John Ruskin called the flowers prurient apparitions, which <laughs> I think is hilarious. Um, prurient means like basically obsessed with or encouraging like hyper fixation on sexual shit. Yeah. It's <laughs> really funny. Um, and then also in ancient Greece, a Spanish fly. So the wings of the Spanish fly, so like not the drink, um, were long thought to hold potency as an aphrodisiac and were crushed into tonics and potions. Ugh. But the side effects were rough. So Spanish, Spanish fly wings are actually a powerful irritant and actually probably did cause the swelling of sex organs. <gasps> oh. So like it works, but a mere Not 32 a <laughs> milligrams were enough to cause kidney failure and death. Oh my. So anyway, yeah. it's big time sacrifice. Um, Okay, so moving on to the Middle Ages. Uh, this is one that I could not find sources for. It just kept linking back to this one Vice article that offered no sources, but I thought it was hilarious. Uh, a common trick for getting your crush to like you was the quote-unquote love cake. The recipe called for baking the cake while naked and then pressing the dough to your breasts, armpits, and genitals Ew. to absorb sweat. Ugh. And no. then get your crush to eat your creation. Ugh. And... <laughs> Ideally, they'll be into you. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So much of it in all of these involve like bodily like, fluids. I was like breast, and... okay, and then armpit and genitals. Like, no, no. Yeah, no, no thank you. Um, okay, mandrake root. So said to resemble the human form, the female mandrake fruit, I found this hilarious, has a quote unquote sweet smelling fragrance, while the male mandrake fruit is oppressively fragrant. <laughs> it's like hilarious. That was like on a horticultural website. (laughs) Um, When the skin of the mandrake is scraped and mixed with vinegar or wine, it makes a love potion. However, a more emphasis historically is placed on the use of the mandrake for medicinal purposes, including anesthesia, um, reducing inflammation and tumors, and inducing sleep. All right. Menstrual blood. Mm Mm-hmm. You probably saw this one coming. (laughs) Mixing menstrual blood into a potion or even just capturing it in a vessel to be drunk by the intended. This one entered history um, in the like late Middle Ages as Beatrice de Planisol appeared before the Catholic Inquisition uh, on Saturday. Let's see. Oh, sorry. Was brought before a bishop in 1320 to face charges of witchcraft. She first appeared before the Catholic Inquisition on Saturday, the 26th of July, 1320, um, at the Episcopal Palace in Pommier. She'd been summoned to the hearing by the Bishop of Pommier to answer charges of blasphemy, witchcraft, and hearsay. The charge of witchcraft was supported by the contents of her purse that day, which included a variety of objects strongly suggestive of having been used by her to cast evil spells. 
two umbilical cords of her grandsons, which apparently were thought to ensure victory in any lawsuit, which I wrote, LOL, what? <laughs> Wait. Um, <laughs> like the little stub that falls off at like... No, I mean, I am. <laughs> six I imagine that it's like the whole thing, not the like stump. It's like <laughs> the cord that's cut. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and... Linen soaked with her daughter's first menstrual blood, meant to be drunk by the daughter's husband to ensure his love. Frankincense to cure bad headache. Some of the herb rocket, which is arugula, thought to enhance sperm quality and sexual vigor. A mirror and a small knife wrapped in a piece of linen. The seed of the herb ive wrapped in muslin and a remedy for epilepsy for her grandson um, and a dry piece of bread, which ultimately was what got her convicted because apparently that was the symbol of like some religion that they Catholics were not into. Anyway, so she spent a year in jail and then had to wear a yellow cross for the rest of her life oh. to show her like penance for her well, um, she didn't disobedience. Burn at the snake. I know, right? Kind of impressive. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And then um, I just have a couple more later ones. So Earthworms with Periwinkle and Leeks, a 16th century book, um, suggests mixing periwinkle, which is a small flower, with leeks and earthworms. Once ingested, the mixture will strengthen love between a man and his wife. Hmm. Um, And then bay leaves on the night before Valentine's Day. So in England, an old custom holds that on the eve of St. Valentine's Day, a woman should pin bay leaves to her pillow, one at each corner and one in the middle. The woman will dream of her future lover or the man she is to marry, according to lore. Um, So anyway. That one sounds so bad. No, they're not. (laughs) And there's like a whole bunch more that are like similar to these, um, like beetle wings, Verbena, worms, honey, roses, mm-hmm. um, animal remains. There's like sparrow heads, deer heart, uh, droppings of a stork. Oh, um, that one makes sense. <laughs> right, a, a stork. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so that's it. I just thought it was kind of funny. I kind of want to. Okay, you said a rag soaked in her daughter's first menstrual blood to yes. ensure. That her okay. husband would return her love. So that was one that but I came across. But the bread is what got But the bread is what got her in trouble. <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway. Uh, there is no like super great works on this, which is kind of a bummer. I like thought about doing it from like a literary standpoint mm-hmm. instead, which I'm sure would have yielded a lot more information. But it was kind of fun yeah, to like no, see what fun, people... Yeah. And some of these like linger as treatments and... Um, there, I did run across an article that's like <clears throat> talking about how like new medicine could be used to help like maintain marriages to like help us like Prozac? get more of the good yeah hormones <laughs> in our brain. Yep. I um, mean the best love potion, um, therapy mm-hmm. and antidepressant. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally true. Right. If you can't make your own dopamine, store bought is fine. Store is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Anyway. That's that it. was great. That was so fun. Yeah, just a nice, fun, fall, easy one. So, all right. Well, let's take a break and then I will do mine. Yay. Round two. Okay. I am super excited about this book. Um, it was, it felt like a long time coming because I ordered it. Um, like pre-order like yeah. I think you sent it to me actually yes, and I it did. was like everywhere and um it's been out for a little while now um but it is the love hypothesis by Allie Hazelwood this book was made for you I'm very excited to hear what you thought about it we'll get into it okay. <laughs> all right uh back of the book as a third year PhD candidate Olive Smith doesn't believe in lasting romantic relationships but her best friend does and that's what got her into this situation convincing on that Olive is dating and well on her way to happily ever ever after was always going to make more than a hand wave sorry was always going to take take more than hand wavy Jedi mind tricks <laughs> scientists require proof so like any self-respecting biologist Olive panics and kisses the first man she sees <laughs> That man is none other than Adam Carlson, a young hotshot professor and well-known ass, which is why Olive (laughs) is positively floored when Stanford's reigning lab tyrant agrees to keep her charade a secret and be her fake boyfriend. But when a big science conference goes haywire, putting Olive's career on the the Bunsen burner, (laughs) 
<laughs> hate that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Adam surprises her again with his unyielding support and even more unyielding six-pack abs. <laughs> Suddenly they're little... That wasn't what I thought I was going to say. <laughs> I think that's the point. <laughs> Suddenly their little experiment feels dangerously close to combustion. And Olive discovers that the only thing more complicated than a hypothesis on love is putting her own heart under the microscope. Aww. All right. Let's get into it. I'm going to cast it first. Okay. Olive Smith, I cast as Sadie Sink, who is Max from Stranger Things. Oh, Yeah, okay. so, like, a little, like, I think the actor herself is, like, um, a little older than, like, Stranger Things. Oh, yeah, this is not totally. a child. This is, yeah. like, an adult in college. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, <laughs> um, Adam is totally, uh, what's his name? Adam Driver. Uh, because okay and like everyone has pointed out that like on the cover of the book uh-huh. it looks exactly like Adam Who Driver does it? <laughs> or, oh I hadn't noticed yeah. they're like kissing um, on the front of the book right yes yeah yeah um and like lots of other people have said it looks exactly like Kylo um Kylo, Kylo Ren, Ren. Yeah, yeah from Star Wars so yeah anyway. uh so that was like I couldn't think of him as anybody I'm else yeah so into it <laughs> I know right that's super all right, main tropes, <laughs> fake relationship, mm-hmm. um, and, like, grump sunshine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So, overall, it was so good. <laughs> um, like, I'll get into it more. It was very close to perfection for me. Right. Very close. It was really great. Um, could not put it down start to finish. Like, it was witty. It was funny. Had well, like, a good pace. Um lots of tension like they mm-hmm. really make you wait for it Ugh. but like you're like on the edge like waiting yep. for it like oh yeah, yeah so totally. good um and the male main character was so fucking hot like <laughs> um like just <laughs> all the time like supportive like any everything you could possibly want and like i do like they, they they like set this up as like oh he's a known ass but like there's no actual evidence that he's ever like an asshole like He's a direct person. Got it. And he's, like, a fair professor and, like, mm-hmm. legit just wants to, like, help people. And, like, typical college student, like, any kind of, like, negative feedback is, like, <laughs> he's such an asshole, yeah. you know. But, like, yeah. it's, like, fair, good feedback. And, like, he is, like, he doesn't, you know, direct it at, like, people unfairly or, like, one person sure. of it. Like, it's equal across the board. And, like, he's, he's a hard yeah. professor. But Got it. Okay. There. Which, and, like, honestly, like, a direct person is, like, yeah, super hot. Like, don't fucking beat around the bush. Like, right. I want to know. Um, <laughs> anyway, and then, like, and he is, like, another one of my, like, totally, like, me things is, like, someone who is, like, really into what they do and is, like, good at it. Yes. So like I, I think of the quote, um, it's a Ron Swanson quote from Prax and Rec where he's like, I'm into, oh shit, what is it, like brunettes at the top of their field or something like yes. that? And I'm like, oh my God. I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Someone at the top of their field. Like yeah. Um, and then Olive, um, I, I definitely related to her. Uh, and the, like the scenes were like very believable. Like, um, I like I didn't really see like myself in it. Like she's definitely like sure. way more she's, like she's like very witty and like funny and like she's yeah. a sunshine personality. Yeah. Which is like a very good She's like, really outgoing. Yeah, and like dichotomy yeah. with yeah. um the grump. I love um, that. Love that trope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like also super important to me, all the like scenarios are believable and like yeah. you know, there are some like very funny like scenes and like fake relationships clearly has like lots of forced proximity oh, yeah <laughs> and, like but it wasn't like there was nothing that was like oh my god really like it was all like funny and well written yeah um the one thing that like as I was reading it um I was like a little unsure like it sounded unlikely to me that Dr. Carlson that he's like 34 and then like they like talked about how he has tenure at Stanford and I was like that seems that... unlikely but I looked into it. <laughs> and so generally it takes about seven years to earn tenure. Um, and the average age at which tenure is granted for all universities is 39. So, so he's just a little ahead, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So like, and like he is supposed to be like a crazy genius. He's like a hot so shot. Like, yeah, yeah. So it, it's actually really believable. So okay. that was okay. just like, a, like I didn't know that. Just like, going like, to measure the... myself against that metric. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking of like the professors that like I knew 
that had tenure um, was like, I went through school. They were not 34 and no. not. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really have any professors who were 34, tenure or not. Like, yeah. 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 Um, anyway. Um, and so, all right, where are we? Okay. So that tracks. Um, and okay. So this book is not dual perspective. So oh, whole, so it's, it's all from Olive's perspective. Got it. Okay. Um, which, so actually I, I thought that was actually kind of refreshing because I feel like almost all the other books I've read so have many been dual. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, she definitely, like, she's a good character. She has like a solid backstory. She has meaningful friendships, um, that is so, interactions with other people. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, I'm sorry. I'm just like still proud. That's so mm-hmm. interesting that it's like a fake relationship trope, but mm-hmm. that it's single point of view because normally yeah. it's like you get dual and then you're like, well, you guys are both into each other, but like, yeah. you don't know. You don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you can definitely I mean. guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and that, like, they also, like, they depict the fact that she is, like, very into her research and, like, she has a very good reason for doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, like, manage to convey the fact that she's, like, working really hard at it without, like, you know, they don't, like, describe her, you know, working in the lab or whatever. But, like, you you yeah. get that that's, like, where she spends a lot of her time. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was, that was, like, well, done well. Mm-hmm. Um, and she talks about struggling with imposter syndrome, which is like not in that many words, but like, which I completely like get. And like, it is very interesting because part of me wanted to be like annoyed that like, she's like, oh, I'm, you know, like I'm this like insignificant person or, you know, and like, when then you're like, well, okay, but you're like a graduate student at Stanford and you're like, you're cute and you're smart. Like you have everything going for you. But like when you're in this setting like that. And, like, the pressure that's put on these kinds of students, like, that is very real. And, like, yeah. it is very believable that, you know, she doesn't see herself as that, even though, like, she is well, those she's things. she's still young. She, like, yeah. it just is imposter syndrome. Is, is very I real. I'm like, yeah. I can't wait to see when I get over that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Uh, and then, um, but, she, and she does like kind of like get over it and there is like, that's sort of like a subplot, um, yeah. which is really great. Um, and then, okay. So the like slight thing that also could have been a problem was the fact that he's like a professor and has control over her. I was, yeah. And is a um, bit older. And a bit older. Um, so the book gets around that in, um, so he is not in her research group. Okay. And like they, at the beginning, they kind of like describe it. And like he, um, he just can't be like on her thesis committee or whatever. So like, they, sure. like, and so like he does not have any control over her. She is in a, like a different lab with a different yeah. um, professor in charge of it and everything. So like that is not, like he doesn't ha- have control over her. Okay. So like the like power dynamic, like, yes, there is some there. Right. But it's not in like a meaningful way. Like she has her own professor in her corner right. who could like Okay. So right. It didn't feel too bad. No, 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 no. Yeah. And I mean that was definitely put in there for a reason and it was mm-hmm. like clearly described as such. Yeah. I think. Um yeah. and actually I I'll get into that when I talk about vibe check in a, in a minute. Okay. But um uh okay. So the one thing that like lack like made it so it wasn't like a perfect book for me okay (laughs) um and it's just like this uh it's it's the feel so like she is like somewhat inexperienced and like they in like sexual experience yeah so like they chalk it up to her being um a little bit of like uh like a little bit like asexual like um okay like or like she thinks but then they swing it to this like oh well she just hasn't been with the right person Right. Uh, yeah so like I just didn't love that but I think that like um like the male main character finding it super hot that the female character is inexperienced is a thing and it's some people's thing it's not my thing no, I wasn't really into either. that yeah and yeah. it did come out like mid-sex scene and I was like no <laughs> uh, like that she was inexperienced or that yeah. he was into it uh, uh I don't think so it's not like explicitly said that he's into it, okay. but it's mid sex scene and it doesn't like stop the sex. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Feel <laughs> awesome. I really don't like that. I don't really like the like virgin trope at all. Like, no. Anytime. I yeah. almost never. And that's not this. She's not a virgin, but she's just not experienced. And he probably is. I mean, he's older and he's like, um, 
Yeah, I think that's my impression. Now, I'm not 100% sure now that you say that, but, like, yeah. that was my impression. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. he is older. I also, yeah. like, do they actually, like, use the term asexual, <coughs> or? Um, she talks about how she, like, has felt like something is wrong with her because she's not attracted to people. Huh. Yeah. That feels kind of queer, baby, that they're, like, it's, yeah. They put it out there, and then they're like, oh, never mind, she just needed the right dick. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's possible I maybe just, like, interpreted it wrong, but. Yeah. That was huh. kind of my, yeah. So, anyway, but, like. That was, like, pretty quick. And, like, honestly, the sex scene was really good. Yeah. Other than that, so. Uh, but they do, make, they do make you wait for it. Like, yeah. it's, yeah. Like, to the end. Almost the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, and then other slight thing uh, is that, like, the Olive character does border very closely on, like, the electric pixie dream girl, like, quirky. Oh, and I'm, yeah. Like, it wasn't done, like, I, it didn't really take me out of it, but, like, so I, when I was reading reviews, several people noted that, and I was like, oh, yeah, I did kind of. Did he ever say you're not like other girls? No. Okay. No. Yeah. But, like, just the way she's described is, uh-huh. like, this, like, quirky, like, sunshine, fun, mm-hmm. happy, but, like, yeah, anyway. Um, so those are like the two things, but like overall, like honestly, I feel like that's like a little bit nitpicky, but like, yeah. this is why, why we're here describing everything no, so you totally. can make your own decisions. Was she like in, was she like, oh, I like all the things you like and then didn't have her own. No, no, no. I mean, it's from yeah. her point of view. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Well, anyway. Um, okay. So ratings, readability five, hotness four, romance four, overall five it was really Dang. Good. Yeah, it was good. um okay vibe check so this is the first time i actually um that the book had a content warning it came with a content mm-hmm. warning so i'm gonna read the book's content warnings um death of the one of the main character's parents in the past due to cancer workplace sexual harassment of the main character not not from the love interest <laughs> i figured but yeah <laughs> Power differential. Olive is a student and Adam is a professor, but they clear their fake relationship with the de- dean early in the story and no abuse of power occurs. So we talked about wow. that a little bit. Um, wait, there's more. Uh, explicit okay. and graphic sexual content. Cursing and vo- vulgar language. Wow, though. <laughs> I, know, yeah. I was like, oh, like that's great. So That's anyway. so cool. Yeah. That's so funny. It also makes me happy that I'm like, oh, those are things we've mentioned before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's super cool. Um, but yeah, but it was great that, yeah. So I, like, I do feel like this author, um, was like very, like, very, like trying very hard to be woke, like passing this like vibe check. Like, yeah, that was like important to her. Um, uh, but like, I will say that like, there's a diverse cast of characters, but the two main characters are like white cisgendered. Yeah. Like, you know, so anyway, um, oh, and I forgot to say, so when I was like checking out the, like the part, um, where I was like, oh, that doesn't seem likely that he's tenured at 34. So the author actually has an advanced degree in biology. Okay. So like well, sense, she probably knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I guess she knows what she's saying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to read my favorite line and it's kind of long. Okay. Um, but it's a good. good okay. Um, all right. He gave her a brief nod and then Olive, or at least Olive's body, was stepping forward. We're stepping toward Adam and gi- gingerly sitting on his thigh. Her knees tucked between his spread legs. It was happening. It had happened already. Olive was here sitting on Adam. This. Yep. This was her life now. She was going to murder on for this. Slowly. Maybe painfully, too. She was going to be jailed for best friend aside. And she was A-okay with it. I'm sorry, she whispered to Adam. He was so tall, her mouth was not quite level with his ear. She could smell him. The woodsiness of his shampoo, his body wash, and something else underneath. Dark and good and clean. It all felt familiar after a few seconds. Olive realized it was because of the last time they had been this close. Because of the night. Because of the kiss. So, so sorry. He didn't immediately answer. His jaw tensed and he looked in the direction of the PowerPoint. Then Adam turned his face a little and told her, It's okay. He sounded a bit strained, like nothing about the situation was in fact okay. I'm so sorry. I had no idea she would suggest this and I couldn't think of a way to... His arm slid around her waist, his hand coming to a rest on her hip in a gesture that should have been unpleasant, but just felt reassuring. His voice was low when he added, It's fine. The words verb <laughs> vibrated in her ear, rich and warm. More material for my Title IX complaint. 
god. So like the context is that right, like yeah. they're in a fake relationship, and like she's trying to convince her best friend, and her best friend was like, "Why don't you just go sit on her lap?" Because they were like in a lecture, and there was nowhere yeah. else to sit. Yeah, so she got was it. like, "Just go sit on his lap. It's not a big deal." Right, it's your right, boyfriend. Right. Go yeah. sit on his lap. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Huh? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> so she yeah. has to like sit on his lap. <laughs> and I love the bit about where he's like his voice is like strained, obviously because he's like obviously, fucking turned he's on. Super into it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so that yeah. was great. Yeah. So good. Yeah. It's a, it's a good one. It sounds amazing. I'm yeah. going to read it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm interested to see, like, to, I mean, yeah, they're definitely the things you mentioned are like things I'm not into when they're present, yeah. but I'm curious if it's like, yeah. I, yeah. Well, and like, I've, I feel like, like, I liked the book so much, like, mentioning those things, like, feels nitpicky. Yeah. Because, like, I rated it a five. Like, I fucking loved it. Obviously. But, yeah. like, I feel like I need to say those things, too, in case that's, like, a big, I don't know, red flag to someone. Yeah. Which, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Cool. All right. My deep dive. I struggled with a deep dive. Um, Why don't and... you just read us your dissertation? No. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, my... Master's thesis. Master's thesis. <laughs> oh my god. Hell no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I wanted to do and I started researching um like a history of the fake relationship trope. Okay. I was like looking for some like famous or like historic examples to like see how far back this goes. Um, but I ended up going down like a rabbit hole of like the first story I researched and I I realized that I kind of like remembered the story wrong. <laughs> so like it doesn't, it's not actually a fake relationship, but it it's like maybe an example of like an early version. <laughs> I mean, okay. how early are we talking here? <laughs> I mean, okay. So like I was looking into, okay. So like the movie 10 things I hate about you. Yeah. So like my memory of that is that like the older sister and the, like, other dude are having a fake relationship so that the younger sister can go date. Yeah. But I realized that it's actually the older sister doesn't know that it's a fake relationship. And that, like, the younger sister and the guy she wants to date, like... Yeah, they work it out between them. Yeah. And he, like, courts her. Right. It's the taming of the shrew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, anyway, so, right. So, my deep dive is, like, the taming of the shrew by Shakespeare. Oh, all right. <laughs> Which, so like it, it's a kind of a fake relationship, but only one party knows it's a fake relationship, and then it turns into real. So that does kind of follow that trope. But so I actually haven't read the original play or seen it. I so like I know the story, but right? I, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I actually I don't think I've read it either. I maybe pretended to read it. I don't <laughs> remember. I remember like, doing lots of Shakespeare in like high school and stuff. Yes. I, just, I don't think I was ever assigned this one. I don't, I don't think, think so. it's very assigned in school. No. And like, I think I know why. Um, and I'll talk about it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So the story is a comedy um, mm-hmm. and it's believed to have been written between 1590 and 1592. Um, a very brief synopsis. Um, and this is from shakespeare.org.uk. Nice. Okay. Lucentio loves Bianca, but cannot court her until her shrewish, wow, that's hard to say, (laughs) shrewish, (laughs) I just keep thinking of druish. You're doing it. Shrewish older sister, Katharina marries. The eccentric Petruchio marries the reluctant Katharina and uses a number of tactics to render her an an obedient wife. Lucentio marries Bianca, and in a contest at the end, Katharina proves to be the most obedient wife. Okay. So it's a (laughs) bit bad, right? I mean, it doesn't (laughs) sound great. It's not great. Um, Okay. So, um, just like a little bit of, uh, kind of like scholarly debate about this play. Um, I'm going to kind of talk about like two things that people have sort of like discussed over the years. Um, the first is, um, the relationship with another play or possibly an earlier version of this play called a pleasant conceited history called the taming of a shrew. So, um, so the difference is the Shakespeare version is the taming of the shrew and this is taming of a shrew. So they're known by the shrew and a shrew. Okay. So it's a little confusing, but, um, so, uh, there's kind of 
there's like five theories um, about like the relationship between these two. Um, so the first is that the two plays are unrelated, but are based on a third play that is now lost. But they're both Shakespeare. It's not. Not necessarily. Okay. We don't know. Okay. I mean, like, we don't even know if Shakespeare was sure. Shakespeare, right? right? right. Like, Every play that was attributed to him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, okay. So that's known as the Urshrew theory. I'm not sure that that's like a Shakespeare thing. I, okay. I don't know. It's like, anyway, pre, um, a third play that's now lost, but they're both based on that third play. Okay. The second theory is that a shrew is a reconstructed version of the shrew or an attempt by actors to reconstruct the original play from memory. Um, and this is known <laughs> as a bad quarto. And okay. there's like other versions of this known where there's like two sets of like the same play. And like, yeah, it's like known that, you know, like maybe you lost the script or whatever and it's, you're traveling to this other for town. For some reason, and- that's like so hilarious to me. It reminds me of like when we're all sitting around the campfire and everyone's trying to remember all the words to Hotel California. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, like, for They're sure. all trying. They're like, I'm yeah. pretty sure it's this. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay, the third theory is that Shakespeare used the previously existing A Shrew, which is not written by him, as a source for the Shrew. Um, <laughs> fourth theory is that both versions were written by Shakespeare and A Shrew is an earlier draft. Okay. The fifth theory is that A Shrew is an adaptation of the Shrew written by someone other than Shakespeare. So they don't even know which one came first. They're, okay, so most scholars think that the shrew, the one we know, yeah. um, is the original. Okay. So kind of like one of the first sort of like modern studies um, was done by Samuel Hickson in 1850. And he con- compared the two texts and concluded that the shrew, the one we know, um, was the original. And a shrew was actually written by Christopher Marlowe. Who, oh. that's a whole nother can of worms, but Christopher Marlowe is like a contemporary playwright of Shakespeare that like some people have actually theorized was, did write all of the Shakespeare plays, but that's, most people don't think that. Okay. Um. <laughs> I've never heard that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. And that theory was based on the fact that A. Shrew has several lines that are almost identical to other Marlowe plays. Okay. Um, his plays like... Tamburlaine and Dr. Faustus. So um, that that's where that theory came from. But other scholars have suggested that lines from the other plays actually support the theory that A. Shrew is actually the, a bad quarto, like we talked about, like the, yeah. um, you know, like a reconstructed version. Mm-hmm. Um, and that like there are lines from other plays in it because they're just remembered wrong or they're or just like used the actor remembered something from another play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, um, but other scholars have said that A. Shrew doesn't fit the pattern of other known bad quartos and doesn't follow the same, like, nomenclature and has completely different, um, verbal parallels and, like, they're, like, they're, like, limited stray phrases and, like, mostly only on the main plot. And there's, like, other subplots that aren't in both. So, like, there's a lot of debate on this. Um, and so basically a conclusion is that like, unless more like original sources are identified, like no one's going to know okay. <laughs> how it happened, but I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. And then like moving on. So like we talked about how it's bad, right? Like it sounds yes. bad, like possibly yeah. like very sexist and misogynist. Which I mean, like it's the 16th century. Mm-hmm. So like my hopes were not high, but based on other Shakespeare mm-hmm. plays, none of them are that bad. Right. So, um, okay. I, I was, I like, there was a whole bunch of debate on this. I'm going to skip to the argument that I thought was like the most compelling. Okay. Um, and this is a quote from, where, where is his name? Connell Morrison, who was like the director of the Royal Shakespeare Company's, like a production, um, from 2008. So he says, I find it gobsmacking that some people see the play as misogynistic. I believe that it is a moral tale. I believe that it is saying, do not be like this and do not do this. These people are objectionable. By the time you get to the last scene of all the men, including her father, there's, um, it's amazing how you crushed that person. It's amazing how you lobotomized her and they're all betting on like the women. Like, so God. like just basically saying like, obviously it's satire or, you know, like yeah. it's, yeah. Um, yeah. So 
I mean, it's a comedy. So, I mean, I think it being a satire is true. Like, a moral tale would be, like, if it were a tragedy. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're the same thing, which is, like, don't do this. And definitely there are other Shakespeare. Like, he gleefully wrote about terrible people all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. So, but I I think it's interesting because it is, like... I don't like I, like I said this is like a side wormhole that is not really yeah. related to the um, relationship <laughs> yeah true. yeah um, but I did kind of like get down this like rabbit hole and like I don't know the fact that like people have been studying this play from the 1600s like or 1500s is, yeah like so interesting to me totally um and so, like, going back to, like, 10 Things I Hate About You, because I was like, wait, this is not the... the no. Like, well. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah. So, like, the Katarina character in 10 Things I Hate About You, Kat, yeah, mm-hmm. like, she doesn't know that the relationship is fake, but I feel like it's still, like, it holds true. And, like, this could be sort of, like, an original version of that. And, like, the fact that they do move on from, like, fake to real. Yeah. Is sort of, like... And, like... This other thing, so, like, the theory that, like, the two plays are unrelated, but based on, like, a possible third Third play that, like, it, like, kind of, like, brings back the whole, like, all of these, like, romance tropes are nothing is new in the world, and even in the 1500s, nothing was new then. No, absolutely not. And, like, that kind of, yeah, makes me realize that, like, looking into the history of a trope is, like, probably a like fruitless endeavor well, and like just you can never real deep find. dive yeah. yeah you can't there's no you like proto trope yeah, yeah for any exactly. of them um so. and that's so <laughs> i wonder if like maybe there's like an original play where like it wasn't satire and so shakespeare was like yeah oh is that what you think so yeah. you're like anyway that's fascinating yeah and i mean i don't know that much about <laughs> Shakespeare I mean, so like but like yeah like like I do remember like I read that like um that synopsis and was like oh I know. so it's... then I like got to the part where I was like is this sexist and I was like oh like okay interesting so yeah wow so, anyway cool and now I want to watch 10 things I hate about you <laughs> I know I feel like that's definitely a guilty pleasure but or movie um and I and I actually do, like, I kind of wish I had had time to rewatch it before this, because I don't know if it holds up, like... I haven't watched it in a few years. I feel like it's okay, especially, um, like, the Heath Ledger and, like, cat relationship, mm-hmm. I think, holds up pretty well. I don't know about the little sister. Yeah. Anyway. Well, we'll watch it and report back. We should back. find out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, God, I would be heartbroken if it didn't hold up, but... Um, I know. All right, well, um, do you know what you're reading next week? Yes, I do. Okay. Um, you. I can go first if you go want. Go first. All right, next week I am reading Off the Clock by Ronnie Lauren. And I'm going to read Slippery Creatures by K.J. Charles. It's mm. not what it sounds like. <laughs> um, all right, so... Quick note to wrap up this week. We are approaching the end of our first season. Mm -hmm. So we're going to do 10 episodes this season. So this is our penultimate Mm. episode of season one. Um, And then we will be off the air for just a few weeks as we gear up for season two. And uh, we just wanted to let listeners know we have an Instagram. You can find us on Instagram at erotic nonsense pod. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have a Gmail, which is erotic nonsense pod at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you guys. What yes. did you like about this season? What did you hate? What do you <laughs> want us to never do again and stop saying? Um, and yeah, if you have like books you want us to read and review, yeah. yeah. Um, we would love, love, love to hear from you and um, interact with you guys. Yeah. So yeah. Any other notes before we wrap up? No, I think that's it. Awesome. Well, we'll see you next week for episode 10 10. of Erotic Nonsense. Bye. Bye.